Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Nate, come on up here. Show Nate some love as he slides up here. Um, Nate has L3 Ministry International. How many of you here were here last time, that when Nate was here last time? Yeah, so a lot of these folks know you. Maybe you're new to some people. Maybe new to some people watching online. You just did um, Jim Richards' live stream last weekend, right? Saturday. Yep. Saturday, so there's probably a lot of people watching who are excited. I know what's funny is that people that watch online and pay attention, they're aware of several of us ministry. And so they get excited to watch people come together that they know online, you know. Not that we're celebrities. I just mean it's exciting to see ministries that actually get along, come together, and do work together. Yeah. And, you know, Nate's, Nate and Root is, and all their ministry is just one of those ministries that is really taking the gospel to the world, you know. I, I, think, I think for a long time the, the New Covenant, Grace Message, whatever you want to call it, has been kind of relegated to a teaching ministry, but I'm, I'm glad to see it start to transition out into missions. Well, because there has been a lot of missions work. Ed Elliott and people it have done some been. great work. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'll let you go. All right. You just tap on your screen here on Appreciate each one. It. Yeah. Got a question. Can you and me get a picture with the balloons after service? I don't service? know about that. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So, Not into that type of thing. Yeah. Huh? So about, about 1130. Okay. Can you see that clock back there? There's a red one that he's pointing to. I can see it. Yeah, yep. it's about 11:30. Okay. So, so again, like I said, the band be ready for that. He'll give you the cue. We'll slide into some ministry time, and keep your heart open. I want you to participate in that, and then we'll have some worship and just have fun. Oh, oh, I forgot that. I knew there was one more thing. I was rambling until I remembered. <laughs> and now I remember. Uh, so immediate, immediately after worship, once we're done and everybody's dismissed, uh, w- so Nate has. Um, Will, is going to bless us with just a conversation on evangelism. And I was debating on if I wanted to open it up. I think we will. So if you're interested in outreach or evangelism or just what does that look like now? Like living the Christian life. Yeah. So evangelism yeah, yeah. is not a four-letter word. As every evangelist yeah. says, <laughs> why aren't you all doing it? Anyway, now, only if you really feel called to it. It's not an interest meeting to come and just check it out. I, you know, I want to have a conversation. I'm not one of these pastors that believes that everybody needs to do everything. And I'm not interested in trying to make everybody become a leader or everybody in this church feel like you got to do everything. If you genuinely feel called to outreach and evangelism, I want people serving in their area of passion, specifically in your area of calling. So if that's something that you really genuinely feel a stir about and passionate about and called to, uh, here's what I'd like you to do. At the end, go grab you some food, go grab some fast food, and then come back here, and we're going to gather here and just have a conversation. You don't have to leave until about 6 o'clock. Got the whole day. So we'll just hang out and talk. You don't have to stay and talk that long. I know you've got <laughs> stuff to do, but, but it'll be fun. Amen? Okay. So I appreciate you being willing to Thanks, do that. So. Absolutely. You appreciate him. Show him some love. Thank All you, right. man. Thanks, all right. How is everyone doing this morning? See a lot of familiar faces. It's so good to be back in Atlanta area. And uh, praise God. Isn't God good? 
This is fun. So thank you, Pastors Clint and Sarah, for just your hospitality and friendship. You may or may not know this, but this is one of our partner churches. This is a church that partners with what we're doing all around the world. So you guys are a part of reaching the nations with the gospel. Does that get you, does that get you guys excited? Yeah. And we're living in pretty exciting times, right? Pretty wild times. No one here is watching the news or anything this last week, huh? <laughs> but this morning, before we get into the word that God's put on my heart, and uh, 11.30, we're going to have a coordinated move of God. So set your watches for the Spirit's going to move at 11.30, all right? No. no, but I would say this, put a draw on the Holy Spirit today, okay? Do you know what I mean by that? In the Spirit, you can draw what God wants to do. I remember when I've been around different ministers, and, and people had something that I wanted to walk in in my own life in ministry, that in my heart, I would just say, I, I would draw from them, sitting in my seat, Holy Spirit, I want what you have. I want to tap in. And like Pastor Clint said, it's not that you're getting something that's not already on the inside of you, but it's stirring up what's already in you. I remember... Um, 10, 11 years ago, Reinhard Bonnke laid hands on me. And, and to be honest with you, I was one of about 100 evangelists, and I think I was the only one that didn't go down in the Spirit. <laughs> I remember looking around, and everyone's laid out in the Spirit, and T or, uh, Reinhard lays hands on me, and I'm just, I'm still standing. But, <laughs> but luckily, my, my faith and my confidence is in Jesus, right? And, and not in any of that. But, you know, after that, I did see a a, a increase, a release of faith in my life to expect God for even greater things. And it was what was in me was being released. So what I would say to you is just put a draw on what you want from the Holy Spirit today. Now, he's the source. He's got it all. He lives in you. Amen. He's on the inside of you. So stir it up. So before we get into the Word, I'm going to share a little bit about what we're doing in the nations. Uh, Pastor Clint asked me just to, to give some updates. We're, we're living in exciting times, seeing God do amazing things. For you, those of you that have never, uh, never seen my family, this is my lovely family. My wife and I, or my, we're, gonna, we're coming up on 20 years of marriage. So I know that's, there's people here in the room longer than that, but praise God, that's pretty good for us. Um, she's from Brazil, and there's our two children, Gabriel, who's 17, and Amelia, who's 10. And uh, we're a missionary family. We're going to the nations and excited to be taking them. Um, the name of our ministry is L3 International, and the L3 stands for the least, the lost, and the last. And uh, we felt God just commissioned us, gave us a mandate to reach areas that no one else was going to. So we, we target places that um, many places have been untouched, unreached by the gospel, and other places that have just been overlooked. And so where we've been working in Zambia is, a, is an area that has been overlooked by missions. Missions has been in Zambia for probably close to 100 years, but there's very little going on in that nation. How many here know where the nation of Zambia is? A couple of you guys. Now, I didn't know. About 11 years ago, I didn't know where Zambia was. Um, but since then, we've invested just uh, hundreds, of, hundreds of days ministering there, um, lots of money. It's Zambia is a nation in Central Africa. It's about 18 million people, and 65% are the under the age of 25. So it's a very young population there, and some of that's because of AIDS. Some of that's because of just uh, uh, low lifespans, malaria, things like that. It's made up of 10 provinces, over 70 tribal groups. Each tribe has their own language. Good to see you, man. 
Yeah, we'll hang out afterwards. Good to see you, Tori. 70 tribes and 56 towns and cities. And this is a nation, and I'll share in a few minutes, that we believe that God's giving us as an inheritance. I mean, God, God gives you nations and groups and people groups, and he gives you areas of influences, and this is a nation that we really are believing that we're going to impact in a national level. Um, here's some of, some of the training and equipping we've done over the last couple years. The picture there, the Bible school graduation, that was back in November. And we partner with Dr. Jim Richards and Impact Ministries, and we've been starting Bible schools connected to them all over, all over Zambia. Anyone here been blessed by Dr. Jim Richards? Yeah, I mean, he, he was, through him, that was my first exposure to the message of grace and the finished work, and so I'll be eternally grateful. But that was our graduation several months back. Forty-five students, men and women, graduated from the year Bible school. And what is incredible is that, you know, we believe in not only men, but we believe in women in ministry. You guys got very quiet. I know we're in a conservative area. You're probably all... all ex-Baptist, but we believe that women can preach the gospel too. Amen? And uh, so what's awesome is that we're graduating men and women into ministry, and these guys are taking the gospel and men and women to the, to the unreached villages and just doing incredible things. The guy up there with the motorcycle is Pastor Andrew, and he um, that was the motorcycle we purchased for him on one of our last trips over there. And he is a church planter working among the villages of northern Zambia. And up till then, when we, last year when we purchased his bike, he would go village to village on his bicycle preaching the gospel. And we're talking, he would, through the rains, the, the torrential rainy season, just faithful. And so this guy, he's planted three or four churches now. He hosts a Bible school in his village area, and he's just seeing incredible things. Picture down there in the bottom is in Myanmar. That was several years ago. We provided 54 sound units for village evangelists. And so these are, these are solar-powered sound units that these evangelists take out, and they reach these Buddhist villages with the gospel. A lot of exciting things happen. Just a few pictures of, this is our, some of the kids from our orphanage, Home of Hope. We don't call it an orphanage. We call it a home because they're no longer orphans. They're members of the family of God. So we have 50, between 50 and 55 kids there at the moment, and we've actually transitioned out our first group that came in 10 years ago and are now, now grown up. So it's been, it's been incredible in the middle of COVID, and um, some of this I may have shared last time I was here, but we opened our academy there, which is a K through sixth grade school that's reaching the community, providing a Christian education. So it's been fun. Um, the prisons, how many here have a heart for prisons? One or two people, amen. You know, I didn't necessarily have much of a, a desire. I've been to prisons in South America, and they're a rough thing. But last year, a missionary called me up when I, was in, um, when I was in Kansas City. He said, Nate, I'm in Kansas City. Can I meet with you? And he was a missionary to Zambia who I'd never met in person. And over breakfast, he begins to share with me how the Zambian government has asked him to facilitate ministry across the Zambian prison system. Now, prisons are, are rough in general, but you go to an African prison, it is a whole nother, whole nother world there. And so in Zambia, there's 59 prisons, 23,000 inmates, which is really a fraction compared to what we have here in America, but they're, they're scattered across the nation. And we, we've been asked and have answered the call to put together evangelism and discipleship in every prison across the nation. And so back in... 
in uh, October of this past year, we went to 14 of the, excuse me, 11 of the largest prisons and reached 11,000 of the inmates. This picture here, that was an open air outreach in the courtyard of the prison. This was one of the maximum, the second maximum security prison in the nation. So most of these guys, many of them are serving life sentences. This, this picture right here, this was at a prison that uh, the main maximum security prison. All the inmates that you can see off to the left of the stage are on death row. There was 230, and you, you knew they were on death row because they were all dressed in white, 233 of them that are, sir, that are, are, are living their lives on death row. Now, I asked questions. I said, you know, how long do these guys have? And they, you just don't know. It's been about 20 years since they executed someone. They still have the, the United Kingdom model of um, execution by hanging. There hasn't been an execution in over 20 years. But can you imagine living your life with a death sentence? And we get to go in and preach the gospel to them. Isn't that incredible? We had over 500 that were lifers. The ones in front of me were all serving life sentences there. And we got to share with them not the message of an angry God, but the message of the love of God. Man, it is transforming. We would, do, we would pray for the sick afterwards, and what we would do, we would just pray generally from the stage because we can't lay hands on seven, eight hundred. One prison had 3,000 inmates. So we would pray for healing, and then we would ask everyone that was healed, that felt the pain leave, felt something happen in their body, stand up. And so they would stand up from across the courtyard, and then we would have them just yell out what God healed them from. We're talking blind eyes, deaf ears, every miracle you can think of. And you know what? We didn't even have to lay hands on them. That's the power of the gospel. Amen? So we've just uh, seen, seeing God do incredible things. And I'm getting, go, getting ready to go back to Zambia in April. And we have access to 14 more prisons uh, in some of the most remote areas of the country. And we're going to go in. We're going to preach the gospel. And then one of the things I'm really excited about is we're providing blankets for these prisoners. In Zambia, it can drop down into the high 30s and 40s at night. Um, and can, if you can imagine living in, clo in close quarters, um, we're talking 100-plus people in a little room laid out on the floor, the concrete floor at night, no mattresses, only a few of them will have their own blankets. And so we've, we've been able to provide. Right now we're producing a thousand blankets, which we're bringing in from a neighboring country. And so alongside the gospel, we're going to deliver blankets to these prisoners. We're also able to, check this one out, we're able to equip and resource the prison chaplaincy. And this was an opportunity that we didn't really expect, but the chaplain general, so uh, uh, Zambia has a military chaplaincy um, that's funded by the government. They've all been to Bible school, but they're also military. And the chaplain general over the whole system has become a close, close friend of ours. And so he is bringing together the whole chaplaincy from the whole nation for two days of training equipping where they can get this message of the good news of the gospel. So that is the message that we're sowing into them, the good news of grace and peace, the finished work, faith, righteousness, the goodness of God. And we're going to spend two full days equipping these guys, and we're printing off copies of Jim Richards' book, The Gospel of Peace, Leadership That Builds People, and then Andrew Womack's course on discipleship evangelism. And we're providing copies for every chaplain, and they're going to start using these resources in the prison system. 
And what we're believing for is that these men and women in prison, they're going to go to prison, get trained, get saved, get trained, get equipped, and actually be the future church planters in Zambia. God's doing big things. Amen. And you guys are a part of that. You know, I share these things, but this church, you're partnering through giving and through prayer. And so you're just as much as a part of that. That's the amazing thing about the gospel is those, those that partner and those that go actually get the same reward. That's pretty good. Now, I'll, I'll finish up by sharing a little bit about what we're, what we're beginning to do. And, and Zambia, it's a nation that we've invested in over the last 10 years. We've seen God do phenomenal things. But we, we've laid out a 10-year vision that we feel God's leading us to do to reach the nation, reach and disciple through evangelism, leadership training, and Bible schools in every town, 56 towns in 10 provinces. Do you guys think that's possible? Can a nation be reached with the gospel? Or should we just expect everything to get darker and darker? No, I, I believe we can see the power of God transform nations. And so we're laying out a plan to go to every one of these provinces, every city and town in every province over the next 10 years. Preaching the gospel, we have access into the public school system. Every school has been open to us to send teams in, thousands of schools across the nation. We also have ac continual access to all the prisons. And so we're really believing and expecting that every one of those 18 million people in the nation is going to have an opportunity to hear not just a Christian gospel message, but the good news gospel. Have an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ and then have programs in place to make them disciples and followers. We're believing for a new generation of not only church planners and evangelists, but also politicians and businessmen and women to be raised up in the, in the, in the nation there. So please stand with us. Pray for that. This is what, uh, this is what we're, we're working towards. By the end of the year, we believe that we're going to own our own stage and sound truck. And right now we're raising funds for a 15-ton truck, and we'll bring it in from the U.K., and we're going to fit out the back, the, the back part of it with a hydraulic stage, sound, and lighting where we can literally roll into town, do some basic, basic advertisement, unite the churches, and then do these big open-air signs and wonders events that draw five, ten thousand 10,000 people every night. And those things, evangelism in that form, mass evangelism, it's not an end-all. I've been doing it long enough. It's not, it's not the solution. The solution is men and women, believers, doing the work of ministry in their daily life. That is the solution. But what these things can do that we do is they are catalytic, and they will stir the church up. They'll, they'll win thousands of people. We're printing um, 6,000 new believers booklets for our, our campaign in June. We expect 6,000 new believers in a town in Chinsali, Zambia. So these will bring in a huge influx of new believers into the church, but then they launch believers into a life of ministry. So it's, it's exciting. And this is one of the verses that God has given us. Uh, Luke 8, verse 1. And uh, when I was jet-lagged in Zambia several months ago, I was in my hotel room, three in the morning, trying to sleep. God just dropped this into my heart as I was thinking about reaching a nation. And it says, Jesus went through every town and village preaching and telling the people the good news of the kingdom of God. What jumped out at me is he went through every town and village. That's one of those verses you can read over and over again. But I believe Jesus had a plan to reach everyone. 
every town. I don't think he was just led by the Spirit. I'm going to go this way today. I think he actually had a plan in place. He had an administrator. He was, he was a, a crooked administrator, mind you, but he had, he had a team in place to reach every town and village, and so we're, we're doing the same. Amen? So, you know, you can, you can take a shot of that if you want to follow what we're doing, hear about our mission trips. We do mission trips um, several times a year. Our big one is coming up in June. Several, several of you guys have approached me about that. But we, we take teams to Africa, and, you know, we, we serve the kids. We build the community, but you'll also be exposed to the power of the gospel and signs and wonders. So if you have a heart for that, connect with us and come, come on a trip, be a part of that. We've got tons of resources, a bunch of clints actually on our YouTube channel from, uh, from the event we had last year as well. So you know, subscribe to our channels and follow what, what we're doing. Amen? You guys still with me? All right, I'm going to switch this off and switch iPads here. Can I give that to you? Say, I'm ready. Say, Holy Spirit, I want everything you have for me today. I'm ready. Now, what's been on my heart for, for several weeks now is just, just to stir up the body of Christ to walk in the fullness of what he's called us to. Um, and we look around at the world, and we know that the only solution is Jesus Christ. Right? No, you cannot legislate righteousness. What we need is people to return to biblical Christianity, not even revival. Revival is a misnomer. Revival means reviving something that's dead. And if you're born again, you're not dead. What we need is just biblical Christianity. And to be honest with you, God has no plan B. Think about that. He's got no plan B. His plan from the start is that men and women, believers, full of the Holy Spirit, would reach their world with the gospel. There's no plan B. That is God's plan for his people. And the amazing thing is that we're all called to be a part of that. You might look at yourself. You might look at your, your area of influence and think, what can I do? But let me tell you, you have access to people that me, your pastors, others will never have access to. And you have the ability and the capacity of God, the Holy Spirit, on the inside of you. That's pretty wild. And if you get the right message, then you're not going to live under guilt and condemnation because you think that you should be doing more for God. Amen? How many of here, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many here have lived under guilt and condemnation feeling you need to do more for God? You're here, you're getting set free from those lying messages, but what's happening is your heart's getting filled with the love of God, and you realize you got to tell somebody. When your heart is filled with the love of God, you're going to look for an output. You're going to look for opportunities. Just, just this past week, I was going around my business, doing some things in town, doing a dump run. Anyone here do a dump run? And, uh, you know, I try to, I usually am down at our local dump every two weeks or so. And so I've built relationships with the people that work there. And one young man, I've had multiple conversations about the Lord, and uh, his question for me this week, and I don't even know why I'm going here, but his question for me was, if you could choose between uh, knowing heaven is real or being reincarnated, which one would it be? 
And I was like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. But, um, but I, I used it as an opportunity, and I just bypassed that. And I said, I really don't know what, what you're talking about or what, what this is, but I do know that Jesus Christ changed my life. And I know that no, if you cannot, you cannot, no argument will undo a personal experience with the love of God. Amen? So I want to look in John chapter 14, verse 12, and these are, these are verses we all know. This is uh, New King James. Yeah, this is our Lord's translation. You guys know, all know that Jesus Christ read the New King, the New King James, not even the King James. Just <laughs> It's our Lord's translation of choice. John 14, verse 12. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Anyone ever read those verses and thought, man, how is this possible? Those are still verses, I've preached them hundreds of times, but they're still verses that stir me up with a hunger and a desire to experience more. Amen? I'm not satisfied with what I've seen and experienced. Because I know, here's, here's the thing, because I know the right message, I'm not looking out here. I'm not running to another man or a woman to lay hands on me or do this or to the next prophetic conference. Those things can be fine. I'm not looking out here, but I know there's more that God wants me to experience. Jesus said, the works that I do. Anyone ever thought about the things that Jesus Christ, he had a pretty miraculous life. If, if you look in Matthew, I believe it's chapter 8, in one day you have Jesus raising the dead, or maybe it's Luke chapter 8, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, crossing a sea in a storm, walking on water, casting out demons, all in a day's work. The dude lived a pretty amazing life. That was the life of Jesus. And here he says that the things he's doing, we can expect to do also and then he takes it one step further, and he says, you're going to do even greater works. Man, did you know that we can operate in the same authority and power that Jesus did on this earth? And I, and I think we can even go beyond that. And, and the lights went on when I, on this past uh, Saturday when I was on with Jim Richards. I was thinking about this. You know, Jesus has authority in heaven and on earth, Right? He has authority in heaven because he's, 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 he's the resurrected one. He's paid the ultimate price. But he has the authority on earth because he's the son of man who showed us true humanity. We often forget that Jesus Christ was a human being just like us. But that's the key for us walking in victory. So Jesus has both the authority of man that God gave man in the garden, the authority of heaven. And you know what? We're in Christ, so we get to experience both. So in a real form, we have the ability to walk in more power and authority than even Jesus did on this earth. Mind-blowing, right? So that's where those greater works, you're going to do these works and greater works. And here's the key. He says, because I go to my Father. So much happened when Jesus went to the Father. You know, you can't just boil it down to one thing. You know, when he went to the Father... The work of redemption, he was completing it. He presented his blood as a once-for-all once sacrifice in the heavenly holy of holies. He sealed the covenant 
what I want to emphasize, when he went to the Father in Acts chapter 2, it says that he received the Holy Spirit and he poured out upon the earth. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit. And up till that time, the Holy Spirit had dwelt with people. He would come in them for a mission, for a purpose. Good illustration is, is Samson in the book of Judges. It says, one translation says, the Holy Spirit jumped on him. <laughs> but what happened, man? When the mission was done, the Holy Spirit jumped off because that, well, he was a dirty dude. He was a dirty, crusty individual. Holy Spirit came upon him for a mission, but he didn't stay. You know, we all know this stuff. We have something so much better. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us. We have this good news message of the gospel. Man, I'm going to preach the finished work of Christ till the day I die. I know what it's like to have preached a condemnation message. My motives were pure. In fact, the first time I went to our church in Kansas City, the week before we were driving past, and this is a church that's been connected to Jim and Andrew Womack for, for years, 30 years probably, and I looked up and there was a sign that said, God's not mad at you feeling loved, and I poked my wife and I said, that's one of those new age feel-good churches. We ain't going there, honey. <laughs> Seriously, she'll tell you. That's the way I was. I was, I was, I loved the Lord. I had a desire to see miracles. We saw miracles. We saw God do incredible things. We would, you know, we would see people crying at the altar. But the thing was, is my message, and I was talking with someone earlier, my message was, it, I call it the hamburger gospel. It was bad news, a slice of good news, and more bad news. And it didn't set people free. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. When we have the fullness of the Spirit of God, and when we have the right message, man, there is no telling what's going to happen in, in the world. So good, so good. Well, I haven't even gotten into my notes yet, amen? You know, nothing can replace the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There, there is no, I believe it was Reinhard Bonnke, he said, the less Holy Spirit in our meetings, on our church service, the more cake and ice cream you're going to need. Or, or cake and coffee. Cake and coffee. Now, I, I want my coffee, so I'm not, I don't fully agree with that. But, you know, when, when we look to the book of Acts, we see the capability of men and women walking in the fullness of God. Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says these words. It says, I wrote to you, Theophilus, or, or God lover, of everything that Jesus began to do and to teach. And he's referring to the book of Luke. And he's saying that Jesus began to do and to teach. And what that tells me is that Jesus began something that we are carrying on. Jesus Christ is in heaven. You know, he's here, he's with us, but he's seated at the right hand of the Father. You want to know what God looks like, what Jesus looks like here on this earth? Look at the person next to you. If you want to know what the hands and feet of Jesus look like today, Look at the hands and feet of the person next to you. You want to know what the face of Jesus looks like, the smile of Jesus. It's the person sitting next to you. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We are all he's got to work with. Doesn't that, isn't that amazing that God trusts us that much that he put the Spirit of God on the inside of us? It is, it is incredible. The believers in the book of Acts, they didn't have it all figured out. They were working things out. They did their theology. Think about this. Their theology wasn't perfect. 
They were still working out what are the ramifications of what Jesus Christ did. But they had a message, and in, listen to this, in 33 years after the resurrection of Jesus, they had taken the gospel to the whole known world. No internet, no airplanes, no vehicles. They took it by boat and on foot to the whole known world, the Middle East area. There's even stories. A lot of people believe that the Apostle Paul, before he was killed in Rome, actually made it all the way up into the British Isles with the gospel. Think about that. We've got this guy named Andrew, one of the apostles. He made it all the way up into Russia, the Baltic area. He was killed. Another took the gospel, I believe it was Thomas, all the way down to India, and he was hung by the Hindus. There weren't Hindus at the time, but he was hung by the tribals. Think about that. These men and women took the gospel. Mary Magdalene, tr tradition tells us that she took the gospel somewhere into Italy, and she was martyred. She was a woman evangelist. Think about that. These men and women were full of the Holy Spirit, and they had the right message. And Bible tells us, Revelation, that they loved not their lives unto the death. And there, there, there is a cost sometimes. There's not a cost to be saved. It's a free gift, but to follow Jesus on this road of discipleship. But it's worth it. Amen? You know, if you've got, if you've got your Bible, I want to look in Acts chapter 19. And then I want to give you guys some, some takeaways, some practical things. I didn't get very far in, in my notes, but that's okay. Acts chapter 19. And like I said, there is, there is no plan B. God has no plan B to reaching the world. He's got us. And if we don't reach our world with the gospel, it could be another 100 or 200 years till Jesus comes back. Amen? Got work to do. We got a part to play in this. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. It says, and it happens while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, finding some disciples there. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, as I've read and thought about these verses, I was, what came to me is there had to have been something that stood out to Paul. There had to have been something missing that made him question if these guys really had the Spirit, really had the message. You ever thought about it like that? No. He comes through, through the interior, goes down to Ephesus, and it's interesting. If you go several verses up in 18 chapter 24, it tells us who the, who the, the evangelist that actually converted these disciples that didn't appear to have the Holy Spirit, who he was, and it was a dude named Apollos. Anyone here heard of the, this guy named Apollos? Verse 24, it says, of chapter 18, it says, There was a certain Jew named Apollos, an elegant man, mighty in the Scriptures, and this man came to Ephesus. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he was fervent or fiery in spirit. That's not talking about the Holy Spirit. That's talking about his spirit. He was, he was a fiery, passionate individual. And it says he taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he only knew about the baptism of John. Then it goes on and it tells us that there's an, a couple, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, that take him aside and teach him the way of the Lord. Now, what I want us to get is that this evangelist, Apollos, he was fiery, he was elegant, he was a good speaker, he knew the scriptures, but there's a good chance he wasn't even born again. And at least he hadn't received the, full, the fullness of the Holy Spirit and power, 
But there's a good chance he was not born again because he'd never been baptized. Not talking about just water baptism, but baptized into Christ. He was hanging on to this thing of John the Baptist. And these disciples that the Apostle Paul comes upon in the next chapter, they were disciples of Apollos. For me, this tells us that we can be fiery, we can be excited, we can be good speakers, we can even know the Scriptures, but not walk in the power of God. So what does Paul do? He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he says to them, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So he explains the message, and then he baptizes them in the name of Jesus, And when they hear this, they're baptized in the name of Jesus. Paul lays his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they speak in tongues, and they prophesy. And if you read the rest of that chapter, through these men, it goes on to tell us that signs and wonders are done in that city, and that it says that in a period of two years, the whole region hears the gospel. Now, how did that happen? It wasn't through Paul. It tells us he was just preaching daily in the synagogue or in this temple. It was through these men that Paul had laid hands on that they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptized in the name of Jesus. They were the ones that took the gospel to the whole region. They were fiery. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they reached their whole, their whole region with the gospel. Amen? Let me read a couple of verses here. This is Paul's ministry. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 15, he says, I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom when I declared to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, fear, and much trembling. Anyone here ever struggle with weakness, fear, and trembling? That's okay. The apostle Paul did. And it says, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul had a message. It was Christ crucified. It was the finished work of Christ. He had a model, which was the demonstration of the Spirit and power, not in man's wisdom. We need the same thing. Here's another. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 5. Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in the power of in power, in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance or deep conviction, you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Paul's gospel message came not only in word and in power. You guys can demonstrate the power of God. Do you believe that? You can live and experience power to overcome sin, but not only to overcome sin, but to demonstrate to the world the power of the gospel. God wants a partnership with him. He wants us to reach the world His way. So I'm going to give you guys several takeaways, and then we'll move into a time of worship and ministry and just see what God wants to do. Amen? Anyone getting anything helpful here? No, one to four. Yeah. Okay. Chapter, yeah, chapter two, verses one to, through four. Yeah. Thank you, Clint. Got to have those, key, those teachers. Yeah, they're like, what did he say? Okay, I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to give you seven takeaways, but we'll go through some of these quick. Seven takeaways to living what God has for us. Number one, 
receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? There is no exception for that. And sometimes churches and groups, and let me put it this way, I have seen Baptists more full of the Holy Spirit than some Pentecostals. To be, to be honest with you, because yes, there, there, we, we get the gift of tongues, and it's powerful, and if you've never spoken in tongues and been released in that gift, I believe that can be, this can be your time. It's available. It's within you. But there's so much more. Tongues is an entryway into flowing in the other gifts, and the world needs an encounter with the power of God. They need the power of God on display. So receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Through salvation, the Spirit dwells in you. Through this baptism we're talking about, He comes upon you. What's in you comes out. It comes out so you can reach your world. It's not necessarily you getting something you don't already have. It's you releasing that fullness that's on the inside of you. It's that Spirit upon you. So receive the Holy Spirit. Number two, not only receive them, but choose daily to yield to the Holy Spirit. And this is a big one because most of us, man, there's, there's folks in church that they'll talk about 30, 40 years ago receiving the Holy Spirit, and that's great, but my question is, are you living in that today? Are you yielding on a day-to-day basis to the Holy Spirit and power? Because He wants to be active in your life. This is what Ephesians 5 verse 18 says. It says, keep on continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's not a one-time experience. Yes, the Holy Spirit doesn't go anywhere. And someone asked, asked uh, Billy Graham one day, said, why do I need to continually be hold, filled, with the, filled with the Holy Spirit? And Billy said, because you leak. Honestly, theologically, I don't believe we leak, okay? I, I believe that we've got it. He's on the inside of us. But the thing is, is we choose to be led by our emotions, by our senses, by our feelings, by our performance, and everything but the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so we're not sensitive to what he's saying. He's always there speaking. He doesn't go anywhere. But my point is we've got to keep on continually being filled with the Holy Spirit, In Acts chapter 2, you have the baptism of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Two chapters later, you have the apostles and disciples coming together, and it says that, again, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preach the Word of God boldly. They kept having to go to God, not to get more, but to align their focus, to align their hearts and minds, their perspective, to get God's perspective. And man, we need to do the same thing. Keep on. Choose daily to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Understand this, 2 Timothy 1.6, it says that we can stir up the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We can stir up what we have on the inside of us. And I like to think of it, it sounds funny, but I think of it like this. When I was a kid, we were too poor to buy the good work, the good yogurt that was already stirred up, and we would buy the cheap yogurt that had the strawberries at the bottom that you had to stir up. Anyone here relate? <laughs> We had to stir that good stuff that was sitting on the bottom. We had to bring it to the surface. When the Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, stir the gifts of God up. They're in you. Stir them up. Pray in the Holy Spirit. There's ways we can do them. There's ways that we can stir up what's in us. Praying in tongues. Meditation. Connecting to God in that that area of our hearts. Living and experiencing the word. Good teaching. There's so many things that we can apply to our lives to stir us up but we got to do it. The world deserves it. Number three, know, 
Actually, uh, number one is receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number two, choose daily to yield to the Holy Spirit. Number three, know your covenant. It's part of two. Man, we got a teacher in the house, don't we? Come on. Sorry, buddy. Praise God for the teachers. Number three, know your covenant. And I'm not going to spend time on this, but we got to know which covenant we're under. When it comes to walking in the fullness of God, walking in the Holy Spirit, we got to know that we're under a new and better covenant where the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, manifests through us, versus begging and pleading for God to, to work something he's already done. T.L. Osborne, one of my heroes, used to say these words. He said, there's two types of prayer that God's never going to answer. And I bet you'd like to know that, wouldn't you? Want to know the two types of prayer God's never going to answer. Number one, asking him to do what he's already done. Number two, asking him to do what he's told you to do. If you eliminate those two types of prayer for your li- from your life, man, you're, you're left with, thank you, Jesus. Right? Thank you, Jesus. Here I am, Lord. Know your covenant. Number four, and this is an important one when it comes to talking about flowing in the gifts of the Spirit and these things. Be yourself. Be yourself. The world wants authenticity. Doesn't want a religious show. The way you minister isn't going to be the same way I minister or Clint ministers or whoever else you look up. Todd White, you know, we all love Todd White and his style, but you're not Todd White. Be yourself. Be authentic. I, I've been around a lot, of, a lot of ministers that go through Bible school, and, it's, you know, I, and I love Andrew Womack. But I went, out to, I went out to Karis one time, and it was like everyone was talking like Andrew Womack. And I'm, I'm like, where are you from, bro? Yeah, I'm from Washington State. Why are you talking like a Texan? <laughs> and I understand. If you listen to someone long enough, you're going you're gonna to start using phrases and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But be yourself. Be authentic. Remember the story of, of David and Goliath. David said, I'm going to kill this giant. They took him to, to Saul, and Saul put his armor on David. David was just a teenager. It says, David, you know, he's walking around in this armor, and he says, I can't, I can't use this stuff. So he takes it off, and he takes what he had, what he knew, what was familiar to him, his rod, you know, his staff, and, and his, his slingshot, and he went and met the giant and took down a giant. Be yourself. Be authentic. Be real. Use what God has put in your hand. Number five, don't be afraid. We're talking about flowing in the gifts praying for the sick, reaching out to people at your work or business or school, don't be afraid to fail. What would your life look like if you didn't live your life with the fear of failing? So many people never step out in faith to minister, to share the gospel, to heal the sick because they're afraid of failing. I remember I I read the story years ago of uh, Smith Wigglesworth, great evangelist, and he was in New Zealand ministering at a church, and they, they brought to him a woman who had a large tumor, supposedly the size of, of a watermelon, in her abdominal area, and they stood her up between two men and, and for Smith to pray for her. And as she stands there, he doesn't even pray. He just says, let her go. And she falls down to the ground and cries out in, in pain Um, She can't hold herself up. She's in excruciating pain, falls down at the ground, and he yells back. He says, pick her up. Now, we all know Smith was not the most gentle man, 
And fascinating thing is, after he went through his own physical sickness, um, kidney stones, he actually became a much more compassionate evangelist. Fascinating thing you don't often hear. But he says, pick her up. They, bring, they pick her up, and a second time he says, let her go. And they let her go, and again she falls down. Now that will kill a meeting right there. <laughs> by, by this time, the people in the audience are starting to get restless and uncomfortable. They're whispering to each other, you know, what, what is this, who does this man think he is? A third time he says, take her, or pick her up, bring her, bring her back up. They pick her up, and by this time, the men are saying no. They're saying no more, you know, let her, let her go sit back down. And he says, let her go. And they said, no, this is enough. And he looks at them and he says, I know my job, let her go. So they let her go. This time she doesn't fall, she stands, this tumor falls out, and she's completely healed. You know, I've, I've seen things, not that extreme, but I've seen, I've seen times where I remember I was in Africa and they, they brought this blind man whose eyes were white. It wasn't just like my, eyes, my eyesight's going, they were white. He was completely blind. And I prayed for him and nothing happened. Prayed another time, nothing happened. The third time I decided I was going to ask the Holy Spirit if there was something I was missing. Important, right? <laughs> and I felt God said she needs, or this man needs not only a healing, he needs a miracle. And so what my interpretation is, God, you got to recreate something that's not there in the first place. She doesn't just need a restoration of her sight. She needs something brand new. And so I wasn't even sure how to pray. I was just, you know, God, do this. And, uh, and then after that third prayer, his eyes opened. He began to clearly see me, reached out his hand. I said, no, grab my nose, reached out. Grab my nose. Where, grab my ear. He just reached out and grabbed my ear. Totally healed. What would have happened if I had stopped ministering to that man after the first or the second try? Probably still be blind. If you've tried and it didn't work, try again. Don't let failure keep you back. People love to poke fun at, at Peter because he sunk when he walked on water. But none of those other 11 disciples even got out of the boat. None of them even tried. Man, I love Peter's tenacity because I would rather go for it and fail than never go for it at all. That's the way we've got we've to get. Number six, start with your bear and your lion, and, and that goes back to David. Before David even took on a giant, he took on a bear and a lion. You know, start with your bear and a lion. You've got to start somewhere. There's an evangelist named Dave Duell who really influenced my life early on, and he tells this story. He would always look at us, and he would say, most Christians believe they're sitting at a red light waiting for the Holy Spirit to tell them to go. You're sitting at a green light. Get going. Through the finished work of Jesus Christ, we've got it all. We're loaded. We just got to step out and go for it. And when Dave was, Dave was a, a Presbyterian who got filled with the Holy Spirit. He was a cowboy, got filled with the Holy Spirit and became a wild man when he was in his 30s, ministered into his 70s. He started by healing cows. That was how he started his healing ministry. But when he first began to learn how to hear the voice of God, he and his cowboy buddy would go into their, their town each in their little truck, and one would hide, and the other would go to some other area of the town and wait for the one to hide, and then they would pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me where my buddy's hiding at. And, and day after day, it just wasn't working. Dave would sit there until he just got bored, and he would drive around until he found his buddy. And then one day, as he's sitting there in his truck, he felt the Holy Spirit said, 
put it in gear. So they put it in first. Now drive. And as he went, he would hear the voice of God saying, go this way, take a right, go behind there. And then he would begin, he would find his friend every time. His takeaway is put it in gear. Jesus said it like this, as you go, preach the gospel, gospel of the kingdom, heal the sick, cleanse lepers, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely live, freely give. As you go, start with your bear and your lion. And lastly, recognize love. John Osteen, Joel Osteen's dad was just a phenomenal pastor. And one of the things he would say about um, how to recognize the leading of the Holy Spirit, he would say, recognize compassion or recognize love. Because one of the way God leads us, I would say the primary way that God leads us is by love. And if you haven't read Clint's book, it's, it's very much along those lines. Phenomenal book, Who Do You Love? But the same concept, when you're led by the Spirit, you're going to be led by compassion. You're going to be led by love. If you see someone and something in you draws those heartstrings to that person, that's a good chance that's the Spirit of God on the inside of you saying, this person, you've got a word for them. You're going to be able to share your testimony. You're going to be able to share the gospel. You're going to be able to encourage them. We got to start somewhere, right? Recognize love. Amen? Man, we, this world, it needs the goodness of God. I know this is an area full of traditions, full of religion. I know if you go and start knocking on people's doors, a lot of people are going to say they already know the gospel. But let me tell you, they don't. They, they know maybe part of it, but they don't know the goodness of God. And we've got a message, and we've got the Holy Spirit that people need to hear about. And we just got to get over ourselves. We have everything we need living on the inside of you. Do you believe that? You don't need to get more. Now, I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to stir you guys up if you want that, and I'm going to believe that you're going to operate in more. You're going to get more revelation of who you are and what you have through Jesus Christ. But you're not getting what I got, okay? Because I got what Jesus got. You got what Jesus got. You can do the works of Jesus. I think the big problem is, is that we've got to step up to the plate. We've got to act our faith. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come on up here. And we're going to move into a time of ministry. How many of you guys have felt like you received something this morning? Now, if all it is is just good information and good preaching, but you don't actually put it into practice, then it's, it's just lifeless. So put this into practice. And the first place you start is just by saying, Holy Spirit, I am here. I'm ready. I want to get out of my comfort zone, and I want to minister this good news gospel to people. So here's what we're going to do. You know, I, f I feel, and, and before we even, we even pray for anyone, I, I want to do this because I know there's people watching us online today. I know there may be new people here today. Before we go any farther, I want to give an opportunity if there's anyone here that's never really surrendered your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You may have gone to church, you may even have prayed a prayer sometime, but it's not a reality in your life. You cannot look back and say, I've been born again. And the, I, the Bible tells us that is the greatest miracle of all. The new birth, there is nothing that can compare with being right with God, having Christ's righteousness as your righteousness. And I, I remember, I remember 25 years ago being a hurt, confused, rebellious teenager 
who was trying to fill my life with friends, and he was actually skateboarding at the time. It was, that was my God. But coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I surrender all. Here it is. Come and fill me up. I want to follow you no matter what it, what it takes. And all I can explain, it was like the love of God came upon me and knocked me to the ground. Didn't know what that was. Never happened before. But as I laid there, it was like waves of God's liquid love begin to change my heart, begin to take away the hardness, the meanness, the callousness, take away the religion, and set me free. And then it was shortly after that that I joined a skateboard ministry and started changing the world. But that was the transforming moment of my life. And there might be someone here today that you've never experienced that. You really don't know where you're at with God. He knows where he's at with, with you. He loves you. He paid the price for you long before you were even born. He forgave your sins before you even committed them. That's the truth of the gospel. You've been forgiven, but you've just got to receive it. I want to ask everyone here to just bow your heads, close your eyes. And folks that are watching online, if there's anyone here that needs to make that decision to say, Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm not going to drag this on. I'm not going to put you on the spot or anything like that. But if there's anyone here that needs that, needs to know that you're, you know that you've been born again, you're a child of God, would you just put your hand up if that's you? Anyone here? Anyone here that's just really not sure? You might be a young person. You might be older, but you're not sure. Just put your hand up. So I can see it and say, that's me. Okay, well, here's what I want to do. I want, to, I want us all just to pray together, and there may be people watching online making this decision. Say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender my entire life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I believe you died for my sins in my place to give me righteousness. I believe you rose from the dead and you raised me up with you. Fill me with the Spirit, God, so I can follow you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Awesome. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Let us know. Let one of the leadership know. And now what I want to do, if you've been stirred up today, just to believe that God has more for you to live in and experience. If you are sick and tired of mediocrity when it comes to your walk with God, now this may be that you just, you want God, you want to respond and say, I surrender, Lord. Here am I, send me. Or maybe you're sitting out there and you realize you've never received this baptism of the Holy Spirit. You haven't been released into your prayer language. You can have that today. Amen? So here's what I want to do as we go into a little bit of time of worship. I want to invite the, the ministry team to come on up here. And then if you would like prayer, if you would like to be stirred up and released in those gifts, if you want that baptism of the Holy Spirit, then would you just stand up where you are and come and stand here at the front and we're going to pray together. Just do that. Stand up if you want that. If you're being stirred, come on down here to the front and we're... Meet with Jesus. This awesome, awesome worship team. Worship brings us into that place of meeting with the King. Anyone else that needs to be up here? You're hungry. You want to put a draw on the Holy Spirit and what He's got for you. Come on up here. 
If you need healing in your body, you can come up here as well. Jesus is the healer. The Holy Spirit is here. All things are possible. You need healing in your bodies. Maybe you've been prayed for before. You haven't received. Today is your day. It is the day of salvation. Healing is here. Freedom is here. Just pray. If you, if you have a prayer language, just begin to pray in the Spirit. Holy Spirit, you don't need an invitation, but we just say we're here. Do what you want to do, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that every person in this place would be touched by you in a significant way, God. That their life would be marked by you. Today, God, whether that just would be a word you would speak to their hearts, something that takes place physically, Lord, but they would leave this place knowing that they've encountered you, God, and something has changed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And I, I want to do this. So this is what I, I want to do first. If there's someone, anyone here that's never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you've been released in your prayer language, would you just look up here at me? Anyone here? Just put, put your hand up so I can. I, okay, awesome. I'm not going not gonna to embarrass anyone here. We've got young, one young girl. Okay. Are you comfortable praying with her, leading her into that? Okay, awesome. It's easy. Amen. Anyone else that needs to be released in that? Or any of the leadership team or anyone you, you want to do that? Glenn, okay. Do you want to join them, Glenn? Awesome. So we're going to go ahead and just do what you guys want to do, team. And we're just going to go and lay hands on people and draw from the Holy Spirit. If you're still sitting out there, you can draw on what he has for you as well. Amen. Take us away, Chief. <laughs>